0: An English professor wrote on the board, A woman without her man is nothing. Then the class was asked to punctuate the sentence. A man came up, picked up a marker, and wrote this A woman, comma, without her man comma, is nothing. Then the woman came up, erased what was on the board, and wrote this, a woman, Colin, without her, comma, man is nothing. (laughs) So which one is correct? (laughs) Which sentence is correct? Now, first sentence is correct. Second sentence is correct. <laughs> so it all depends on how you look at it. So it's all depending on your perspective, how you look at it. And we will continue on the story of David and Goliath uh, as from last week. And 1 Samuel chapter 17, verse 4, you're not going to read the whole story because everybody knows the story. But it says goliath is from the town of gath in verse 4 and some people don't believe that goliath was that tall and that big and that strong because you know when you look at those giants that are eight feet tall now or seven feet tall i mean they are there but are they strong and vigorous and and strong active no i mean not, not really the ones that you see today there are some that are that tall but a lot of them, they have to wear crutches or they have to go to see a doctor all the time and they die early when they turn like 20 or 30. So we, it's hard for us to imagine that someone that tall, that big, would be that strong. Someone who would come actually to the battlefield and fight and scare the whole army. But the Bible doesn't waste time. And when the Bible says he's from Gath, We have to get—you have to study what that means. In Joshua chapter 11, verse 22, the Bible says this, No Anachines were left in Israelite's territory, only in Gaza, Gath, and Ashdod did any survive. This is after Joshua conquering the land of Israel, or the land of uh, Canaan. They drove out everyone, except for those small areas here and there. That's what it means. And remember how those giants were like that in that area before they drove them out? Israelites went in there, and what did they say? Oh, the land is beautiful. See the, the, tree, the fruit that we brought out? The grape tree that people, two people had to carry out? The land is beautiful, but the people who lived there are, are what? Giants, and we look like grasshoppers. I mean they're probably exaggerating a little bit, but they were giants. They were big, big people, and the town of Gath is actually mentioned there. Somewhat 400 years later, Goliath appears in the scene, so he's not one of those naturally like uh, or are genetically malfunctioning or something wrong with him. That's it's. He is not stop growing. He keeps on growing. He's weak. He's tall, but he's weak. No, he's one of those giants that are big and strong, that Israelites felt like they were grasshoppers. That's one of those that left. And if you go on to read in verse 34, it says, David fought a lion and a bear. Have you seen a lion and a bear up close? Yeah, I'm I'm sure all of you have seen a lion and a bear at a zoo behind the bars, the, the fence, right? But if you actually see them up close, are they big? Have you seen their muscles? Yes. But the Bible says David didn't kill them with his sling. What does the Bible say? He went and fought them, grabbed their hair and fought them. I thought he was a shepherd. Is shepherd that dangerous of a job? I didn't know. But apparently, you have to risk your life to to save your sheep. But that's what happened to David. And I was wondering, why did God allow that to happen? Why did David have to go fight a lion and and a bear to protect his father's sheep? And guess what? God was preparing David for this because Goliath is probably bigger than a lion scarier than a bear so David was now being prepared he's been prepared now he's like you know what I got this you know I've had a lion it's nothing had a bear no I I got this that's what happened he's been preparing him Now, if you see a lion and a bear on your path, guess what's coming? A Goliath is coming on your way. So are you going to be like Saul, like running away, telling people, okay, if you go, I'll give you money. If you go, I'll give you my daughter. If you go, I'll make you tax-free. Telling people what to do, but not going. Because he's, he's the one supposed to go. He's the tallest of all. But he didn't go because he was scared. You're going to be like Saul, scaring, scared off and run away, or are you going to be like David, going after him and fighting? Who are you going to be? And verse 40 is really interesting. Verse 40 says, here, Then he took his staff in his hand, chose five smooth stones from the stream, put them in the pouch of his shepherd's bag, and with his sling in his hand, approached the Philistine. He says he picked up how many stones? Five stones. Why pick up five stones? I picked up a whole bunch when I went there for souvenir, <laughs> but David picked up five. Why? It's not like you are loading your gun. If I miss him once, I have my gun loaded, I can just pull the trigger one more time, and it will automatically be, will be loaded, and I can shoot him again. I get a second chance or a third chance. It's not like that. If David were to miss Goliath with his sling, what do you need to do? Just, just imagine with me. Okay, you were running, because the Bible says he was running toward Goliath you run and you miss him what do you need to do stop running go through your bag grab another stone reload your sling aim again and then swing and throw while he's coming at you full speed with his sword and spear and javier his his weapon do you think he can do that Have you ever been in a situation where you are like really, really nervous, under pressure of something happening? Can you find the light switch to turn on? Have you tried to find the key and put it in the car ignition and turn the car on? You can't put the key in the ignition because your hands are shaking so much. (gasps) You can't even turn something on or off because you are under that much pressure. I think David wasn't that scared, but under that pressure or in that time frame, I don't think he had another chance to reload his, his uh, sling and, and get another chance of throwing at him. So guess what? Why pick up five stones? And this is just speculating, guessing, but I thought this is quite interesting, so I want to share with you. 2 Samuel 21, 15 to 22. If you read the story on, this is what you find. In verse 19 of 2 Samuel chapter 21, it says, in another battle with the Philistine at Gob, Elian, no, son of Jer, the Bethlehemite, killed the brother of Goliath, the Gittite, who had a spear with a shaft like a weaver's rod. Same expression as that of the Goliath someone who has someone who can handle a weapon like that big it says goliath goliath's brother this guy killed and if you read on in verse 22 these four were descendants of the rapha in gath and they fell at the hands of david and his men so there were how many more giants that they killed in chapter 22 of second samuel chapter 21 four other giants including goliath that's how many five so when david heard about this guy is that guy that tall guy and he was looking at the army of goliath i mean um, philistines army they're like height is about this but then boom, all of a sudden there is someone really tall like okay there's one and there is another one and he counted all of them the one including in front of the battle goliath there are five so he said you know what I'm going to get all five of them. He loaded his bag with five stones. I'm going to get all five. That's what he did. But he was able to get only one that day. But he set an example. Now, a few chapters later, his men got the rest, killing all five of the giants. Now, when, when God places a goliath meaning not a person goliath like a trial a temptation a trouble a problem in your life are you going to run away saying that you know what this i I can't do this this is no way there's no way i can do this why are you going to pick up five stones i'm gonna get you and get rest of the giants what are you gonna be like david picked up five stones that shows his faith doesn't it have faith like of the david. And verse 43 Goliath now is angry and he says he says to David am I a dog you come at me with sticks? And I thought about that for, for a moment. Why a stick? Why did why did he say you come at me with a stick? Because David had a stick shepherd's rod right but why does the bible say goliath was saying that you come at me with a stick why dog a stick what does that mean when you beat a dog you have what a stick so maybe goliath was thinking you know what you are thinking i'm a dog and you're going to come and beat me with a stick I'm going to kill you and give your flesh to the birds of the air and the wild animals here. That's why he got so mad. And he took his helmet off, and he, he was running toward David. But just, just imagine this scene with me. So Goliath, the giant, the, he's over here with his sword, spear, and javelin. And there was a guy who was holding his shield, So how many weapons does he have? He's got four. How many hands does he have? He's got two. How in the world is he going to hold all four of those and fight? I don't get it. What did David have? He had his bag, his pouch, and a staff and a sling. That's what he had. So David is all about showing off. I have a sword, a big sword, and a spear, which is long, javelin, maybe a little shorter, maybe on his back, and someone holding his shield. So he's flashy, showing. Whereas in David, so Goliath is focusing on something that is visible. Whereas in David is focusing on something that is not visible, unseen. His faith is in God, and he's going against David. And Goliath is over here, and he's a big man, a giant, with probably a deep, deep bass voice. And he's challenging David and saying that, Am I a dog? You come here, and I'll give your flesh to the birds of the air. He's talking like that. And David over here is a 16-year-old boy. His voice is, not, is nowhere deep of, of like that Goliath. Maybe his voice is cracking like a little boy, like, you come to me with a spear and a sword and a javelin. <coughs> Maybe like that. Seeing that, the Philistine army must have been laughing so hard. Look at that. Ha <laughs> ha They're all laughing. And the Israelites, what's going on? They're like, oh no. <laughs> They're all embarrassed. They're all embarrassed. That's exactly what's going on here. and i talk up a little bit and there was one commentator saying this some scholars say the word hebrew word for dog which is kelab kelab is used in passages like Deuteronomy chapter 23 verse 18 for male homosexual prostitutes so when david came because the bible says david was fair handsome, and healthy. For Goliath, when he saw him, maybe he felt that sending David was an insult to his manhood. And he got angry, and he was coming. Killing of Goliath made David famous. But you think that's why he went and challenged Goliath? Why do you think he went? He was a small boy, only 16, 15, 17-year-old. Whereas Goliath was a giant, a fighter, a big man. If you look at the picture, there is no comparison. I mean, it's not even possible. There's no comparison. Why did he go? because of all the awards that King Saul promised? I'll give you cash award, and I'll give you my daughter. I'll make you tax-free, tax-exam for the rest of your family. And guess what? For 40 days, none of the men, none of the soldiers from Israelite went. Do you think they didn't want cash award? Do you think they didn't want the princess? If she was ugly, maybe that's possible. Cash, yes, fine. Uh, tax-free, yes, great. But her, the princess, oh, no, 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 not her. No, I'm not going to go. Maybe that's possible. <laughs> but I don't think that's the reason. Nobody went because they were scared of their, like, they, they were scared of fighting Goliath. They didn't want to lose their lives. I mean, if I get money, if I get famous, if I get tax exam, but if I die, I'll die a death of a dog. I don't want to do that. I'll just be quiet here and I'll just somebody else will go. For 40 days no one went. And David goes out. And this is what David says. We we have to pay attention to this. When all the men of Israel say this: this man Goliath, that's what they said. But David said, this uncircumcised Philistine, what's the difference? They are saying, this man, the giant, this fighter, and David says, this uncircumcised Philistine, he's making a connection between him and God. Something about God. Men of Israel say, surely he has come up to defy Israel. And David says, that he should defy the armies of the living God. So here, David is making a connection that this man is defying God's army. Man of Israel said, this man who kills him will get the award. And David said, this man who kills this Philistine and takes away the reproach from Israel. So David is focusing on what? God. And and defending God's army because this Philistine is defying God's name. But the man of Israel is only focusing on what they see, this man. The man of Israel is seeing Goliath from man's perspective. But David is seeing this whole thing from God's perspective. That is the difference. And David said, you know what? I'm going to do this to to defend God. I'm going to do this so that this guy mocking God, I'm going to put an end to this guy so that he cannot mock God anymore. And if God is with me, he's going to make me able to do this. That's what he did. Not because he was bigger, not because he was stronger. No, he said, I'm going to vindicate God because no one else is doing it. I'm going to do it. And he says, he wanted, David wanted all the world to know that there is a God in Israel. He says, you know what? You come here and make fun of God's people and make fun of God's army. I'm going to go show you that there is God in Israel. And he goes. But do you know what? That wasn't enough. David said, you know what? I'm going to go fight Goliath, and I'm going to kill him so that the you guys, Israelites, that you know that there is God in Israel because there's no one else is going out. I'm going to do that. Do you see that? Do you see the big picture? God, David is going out to show the whole world, the Philistines, that there is God. But at the same time, he's going to show israelites and king Saul that there is a god in israel are you going to defend god friends can you defend god and his name how many times do we do that and sometimes we think about salvation in this way well how many of you how many of you want to be saved? Yes, we all want to go to heaven, right? But well, what is your purpose of going to heaven? What is your motive of going to heaven? I want to go to heaven and live forever. And enjoy the life up there i want to fly to other universe and meet other people from other planets and other celestial beings that we have they've never seen i want to go see them i want to eat the fruit of the of the fruit of life i want to go see and walk on the the new jerusalem drink the water of life i want to do all that It's going to be fun. It's going to be exciting. I want to go see Jesus, talk with God, and sing with the heavenly choir. That's all good. Great. We all want to do that. But you know what? That's the added bonus that comes with us going to heaven. What is the main purpose of going to heaven? So that God's character can be vindicated. Because God said, you know what? my law is right, I am just, I love everyone. But Satan said, you know what? God's law is not just. His motive is wrong. He is an unjust God. And God needs someone to prove himself, prove him and his, his character and his kingdom. That's why he's relying on us The people who have fallen and then show that, you know what, God in fact is right. Those are the first fruits that God needs. Those are the 144,000. And those are the people that God needs. To tell them to stand in front of the court of the whole heaven, in front of even Satan, and say, you know what, you see these people? These people can keep the commandment of God. And that's what God needs. God needs his witnesses to stand before the court of whole heaven. And all of us, the rest of the whole, everyone who will be saved after the 144,000, they're all saved because of what they have done and the grace of God. But God needs those people to do that. God needs the witness, witnesses to do it. So we see salvation from our perspective. Yes, I'll enjoy heaven. It'll be fun. It'll be great. But God needs a group of people who will actually vindicate his character and say, God is right. How many of you are thinking from God's perspective, and I have to go to heaven to stand for God? Or are you thinking, you know what? I want to go to heaven because, you know, heaven will be a great place, a fun place to hang out. It will be, but God needs the first group of people first. How many of you want to be part of that 144,000 that you can vindicate God and his character? And I pray that you would, you would stand and you will be that, be in that group. In verse 51, David took, took a Philistine sword and, and killed him. Yes, he, he knocked him down with his, his sling, but I'm not sure if he's completely killed. He went, he stood up on top of Goliath's body, he took out his sword, and he killed him. So did David have a sword in his hand? No. David took Goliath's sword and killed him. Does that ring a bell? When Satan is defeated in the end, God is going to use Satan's tactics, his own sword, to defeat him. That's the way how he does. Satan may plan everything. He's going to set everything up. But that, in the end, is going to fight against him. And God, in the end, is going to be victorious. That's the way how he does. It looks like Goliath is going to win. If you look at it, David had no chance, but in the end, God and his army will win. Whose side will you stand on? I pray that you will stand on God's side. And verse 53, Goliath the Philistine fell on his face. The Bible says fell on his face. That means he just collapsed and fell on his face, face straight down to the ground. Has anything like that ever happened in the Bible? In 1 Samuel chapter 5, verse 4, that's a few chapters before, there is a story of, another story, of Dagon, God of Philistines, Dagon. So this is a time of the high priest Eli, and Samuel, when he was a little boy, they came, the Philistines came and captured the Ark of the Covenant. They said, you know what? This is their God. We got him. Now we defeated them. Let's take him. Let's take him captive. Let's take this captive. They took the, Ar- the Ark of the Covenant and they placed it in their temple among their gods, the, the statue of the Dagon God, which is um, their God. And then the next morning when they came out, what happened? The statue, Dagon, fell down in front of the, the Ark of the Covenant, face down. That's what the Bible says, face down. And then they're like, what happened here? Was there an earthquake? This, this fell down. And they placed the, the statue back. They came back, came back the next day. What happened? Its arms, its head cut off. It's only a torso left. And face down on the ground before the, the, the covenant of God. So, this Philistine God face down on the ground had happened before, exactly the way how it happened. And God says, You know what? You guys learned a lesson before. Maybe you forgot. Let me remind you exactly what can happen Goliath, boom, face down. When the Philistine army, when they saw that, guess what they remembered? Our God, Dagon God, face down, bam. Oh, man, you know, we better run. They all ran, including all those four giants. They all ran. And guess what happened? A lot of people died that day. And Israelite army was successful. I'm not going to show you that video. I brought the video back just to show it to you, but we don't have time. I'm just going to skip that. But salvation is all perspective, depending on how you look at it. How you look at it. You know, God is a champion of using unconventional methods of doing things. How about Gideon and 300 men? Do you remember that story? Gideon and 300 men? How many people came at the beginning when they called, when they called the army? They had... They had uh, 33,000 men, Israelite army that came. And God said, you know what? You guys are too many. No, 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 that's too many people. 33,000. And then how many people went back? 22,000 people went back. And only 10,000 people left. 10,000 left. And God said, no, still too many. And how many people left? 300. Now, do you know how many people were there going against the Midian army? They had 135,000 men. Now, if you do the math, 135,000 versus 300, what's the the ratio? If you're quick with math, (laughs) I'm not, so I wrote it down. (laughs) 0.2%. Meaning, one Israelite soldier is going against... 400 million soldiers. Do you think they have a chance? One against 400? One against four is hard. That would be a miracle. One against 40, it would be like, wow, that, I don't know how you did it. One against 400? You don't have like, you know, like, those those uh, uh, like missiles and like, you know, battleships or like, fighting planes you don't have those it's just man-to-man fight 104 against 400 there's no chance but that's how god did it and what kind of weapons did they use what did god tell them to bring a torch and a clay jar and a trumpet are any of those a fighting weapon no none of them but god won the victory 135,000 people died. And 300 people were they fighting? No. They were just watching, blowing the trumpets like, wow, look at them. That's what happened. Is that an is that a conventional way? No. Unheard of. So unconventional way of doing so. How about Moses and the Red Sea and the Egyptian army? When the whole Egyptian army came to destroy the Israelites, God said, you know what? Egyptian army against the slaves. There's no chance. And God said, you know what? Just sit back and relax. Just watch this. And God used the winds, the water, the waves, the mud. Yes, the mud. He, put, he used those to destroy the Egyptian army. And the Bible said Israelites didn't see them anymore. That's the way how God works. When you see Goliath in front of you, you may get scared, but what do we need to do? We need to think differently. Change your perspective and say, you know what? This battle does not belong to me because the battle belongs to the Lord. Have faith and pick up five stones when you see Goliath in front of you. Don't run away. Pick up five stones. And every knee shall bow before God. Just like Goliath's face was face down on the ground, every knee shall bow. Remember that. And stand stand on God's side. And God's perspective is different. Salvation, there is no way that we can fight against Satan. There is no way. But when we are on God's side, God is going to fight the battle because the battle belongs to the Lord. And I pray that we will all stand on God's side. How many of you want to want to say God, please fight this battle for me because I can't do it. Please fight for me. How many of you want to say that? How many of you see Goliath in your path? And how many of you want to pick up five stones and say, "You know what? I'm going to get you. I'm going to get the rest of giants on my path." How many of you going to do that? And I pray that God will give you faith of David to fight the fight of Goliath. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for this day. Thank you for reminding us of the story of how you can fight the battle for us. Help us to change our perspective of salvation. When we see Goliath, we may get scared. We may want to run away. But Lord, give us faith. Help us to know that you have won the battle already because the battle belongs to the Lord. Help us to go in faith. Help us to fight the fight. Help us to pick up five stones in faith. Help us to be victorious. Help us to move forward, go onward with you. Please bless every single one of us here so that we can change our perspective. We can be saved not to enjoy heaven, but to stand for you, to be witnessed for you up in heaven. Please bless everyone here so that we could have faith of david we pray in jesus name amen praise team please come on up